Hey family, this is Javer Fitzbogle and I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that it blesses you. We hope that it challenges you and we hope that it encourages you to see that God is moving in your life. So come grow with us and enjoy the message. What is going on, everybody? Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Yo, what is going on, y'all? It is so good to see you guys, man. All smiles in the building. Welcome. It is If it is your first time here at TDM Global, we just want to say thank you and welcome. We pray that today will be a blessing, man. My name is Javer Fitzbogle. I'm the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries, and this is our Bible study. We come together every single week to dive into God's word, to grow in our faith and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And this is the detox movement where we bring an intoxicating world to a detoxifying God through his word. I believe that God is going to speak to us tonight, man. And I'm so excited to dive into what God has for us. So listen, if y'all have been tracking with us for since what, the past six months now, man. I want to say thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing in this ministry, what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in my life. It truly is a privilege and it's an honor and we don't take this for granted. If it is your first time, please connect with one of our chat hosts online. We'd love to get plugged in with you. We'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. And we pray that it would expand. He would expand your coast and take you from glory to glory in Jesus name. Now, we are going to dive into God's word tonight. Let me tell you something. I am so excited. We have jumped into a series entitled, somebody help me. Oh, man, ain't nobody in the building. Got nobody in the building? Y'all don't know what, 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 what series are we in right now? Somebody help me. Evidence. What'd you say? I said Evidence. Look, it's called evidence. She, she got hot. She was hot on the service, y'all. Let me tell y'all something. <laughs> Some of y'all been jumping the gun, man. Y'all seen the videos online. You're like, oh, this is cool. You can't get your mind off of it, bro. Let me tell y'all something, man. God is so good. We died into this series entitled Evidence. And it has been a blessing like salad dressings. Y'all feel what I'm saying? God has been so good. He's been speaking to us on the idea that God has always been moving. We just haven't been able to see him. So being able to see God is directly proportional to understanding what God is doing. God has been doing something in this ministry for a mighty long time. And we dive into this understanding of Moses and learning about the life of Moses, who he was and who God had called him to be. We see that Moses was somebody who lived a life and we're learning this, right? He lived a life of evidence. And if it had not been for the documenting of scriptures, we would not understand who Moses is. Today, we're going to talk about a teaching entitled Paper Trails. Paper Trails. Now, let me tell y'all something about this word because I work in healthcare. Some of you guys work in healthcare, different areas. It's cool. I'll listen. One thing I know is this they told us this in school, they told us this on the job. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what happens, document, document, document. They tell us to document because we really don't know what could happen. And if had not been for the documenting that we do, it becomes hard to explain the things that happen. So we learned that the word of God is one big document. 
all throughout scripture, we see that God used man to teach us things through scripture. He teaches us how to live, how to be, how to function, how to be like him. And in doing so, we become ambassadors for Christ. Documenting. One thing I know is this. Every document can be traced back. Every document can be traced back to the origin, back to the place it started, back to the place where it came from. Everything can be traced. In fact, what if I told you that you're a document, that you're a living record to show proof that Jesus was real? Would you believe me if I told you that you lived to be evidence, to be proof that not only God is real, but that he is real to you, to me, and to everyone else on earth? Today, one of the most controversial issues we have is proving that God exists, which is so interesting because we prove the basis on the evidence of God based on the evidence that we see. Like, like God can't be real because we can't see him. But what if I told you sight wasn't the measurement that evidence follows? What if I told you that even scientists use more things that they can't see to solve the harder problems and things they can't see? It, it, it's, it's something that's so, grab your mind around it, you'll understand this one thing. Evidence isn't always seeable. So last week we talked about a teaching entitled, entitled Unseen Evidence. Because it's important to understand that you might not be able to see what God is doing, but it does not mean that God is not working, that God is not active. The Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers, so God's always doing something. I know he ain't playing Xbox, but I'm telling you, though, he's playing some things in the background. And I want you guys to know today that God has been doing something in your life for a long time. And understanding this will build our faith and I pray that this message today will give us clarity to see things we could not see before. Let's talk about it. I want you all to turn your Bibles with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter three, verse one. We are going to read. We're going to read the first. Uh, let's do the first 15 verses. Exodus chapter three, the first 15 verses paper trails. I'm going to read this through and we're going to dive into God's word, God's word together. Amen. Y'all excited for this? Like I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Let me tell you something. This message is going to bless somebody's life. Exodus chapter three and verse one. It says now Moses, now we've been talking about Moses now. So y'all already know what my dude is. You know that he was born in a very unique situation and somehow God infiltrated him into Egypt for a time such as this. Exodus chapter three, verse one. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock back. He led his flock to the west side. Somebody thought the west side. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Herob, to Horeb. That's how you pronounce his name. The man or the mountain of God. Verse two says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. <laughs> Yo, if God ever showed up to me in a flame, I don't really know what I'd do. But listen, he showed up to this man in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning. This bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. I will turn. Somebody say, I will turn, I will turn. aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, that's going to be a t-shirt. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses. And he said, I am here. Then he said, do not come near, take off your Jordans, take off your sandals, take off your Air Force Ones, take them all off for this ground that you're standing on is holy. And he said, now I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Verse seven says, then the Lord said to him, surely I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to do a good and broad to, to do good and broad land, a good and broad land, excuse me, and a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel had come to me and I had also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians have oppressed them. Mm, verse 10, now come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Egypt, the Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you. Somebody say, I, God will be with me. God will be with me, but I will be with you, Moses. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. Then Moses said to, to God, if I if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, yo, so this God y'all know about you, he sent me. They're going to ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? Who shall I tell them sent me? And God said to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. I is who I is. And he said this to the people of Israel. Say this to them. I am has sent you. God also said this to Moses. Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, ever. And thus I am to be reminded throughout all the generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for today. This is another opportunity for us to exalt you. Father, we humble ourselves in this moment. Holy Spirit, abase us in this moment. Father, help us to stay low so that your spirit can stand up. God, we thank you for what you're producing in us and through us. Let this word give life. Let it speak life. Let it plant life. Let it build life. Let it grow life. Let it be the very essence of life itself so that it could change our perspective and help us to understand that you have been moving all along. We thank you, Father. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody say, 
paper trails. Paper trails. Okay, I, I was feeling that. I was feeling that in the comment section. Drop it in there. Paper trails. Like I started telling you guys in the beginning of this message, right? Uh, paper trails are something so interesting in business and companies and organizations. Um, all these things have come from scripture, but I think it's very important for us to define what paper trails are. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I'm going to tell you straight from the dictionary, right? Paper trails, in essence, you wonder, like, is this a thing? Like, it's an actual thing. Paper trails, as in noun format, a paper trail um, is a series of documents providing written evidence of a sequence of events or activities, I'm going to read this again, of a person's organization. I'm going to read it one more time. A paper trail is a series of documents providing written evidence of a sequence of events or activities of a person or organization. Merriam-Webster, the most gangster person of all, put it like this. Paper trails is a series of traceable actions. Look, we're going to dive deep tonight, and I hope you guys blotch your, floaty, your floaties. Because if you didn't bring your floaties, you're going to drown in this word. It's going it's to leave you on the service. It's cool. I'm going to have to come and say I realized something while preparing this message. God began to deal with me with past and present. He said, Javert, listen. Where I'm taking you to is directly related to where I brought you from. I think that is a place for someone to write that down. Where God is taking you to is directly related to where he is bringing you from. Meaning you can look back on your life and see that God was producing something in the midst of your situation and circumstance. That you may not understand what God was doing, but God was doing. God had been doing something in you before you became a thing. It's so interesting how the Bible says that God knew us before we were born, before our wombs were even conceived, before God even made, he knew us before we were even alive. And if God knew you and knew what he was going to do with you, God knew your whole agenda. The agenda that God has for us is related to where we were and where we're going. The question isn't, God, where Am I coming from? The question is, where am I going? But you cannot understand where you are going until you remember and understand where you have come from. You see, the people of Israel were in a position. We know that the, the Pharaoh at the time had died. He hadn't lived uh, long enough to see this next generation come into play. So the fact of the matter was this. A lot of the Israelites that grew up in this time didn't know the Pharaoh of Jacob. And the Israelites that are living in this time will soon not know, or say that Israel's in the next season will not know the Pharaoh of this time. Because of where they are coming from, it is so easy to forget who they are. Remembering who you are in Christ is directly related to understanding where God took you from. Who were you before you came to Jesus? Don't tell me that, oh, I grew up in the church. I was born in the church. There was no, there was no BC. But trust me, you being born is BC. Because at some point you had to accept Jesus for yourself. And the acceptance of Jesus is the moment you are born again. Who were you before? 
And who has God called you to be now? We're going to dive so deep into this. But I hope y'all are paying attention because this is so important for us to understand that paper trails are a series of traceable actions. If you go back in time, you will be able to identify where you are based on what happened before. Let's do this together. It says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father, the father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he took his flock to the west side of the mountain and the wilderness. And he came to Herod. Horeb, I always say it backwards, the mountain of God. So he was busy, okay? And he said, now, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. I want to sit here for a second because I think it's important for us to understand that God does not appear to everybody in a flame. I think some of us have this narrative that like some of these things that happened before, they only happen to like the people in the Bible. But the fact of the matter is, it can happen to anybody, but it may not happen to everybody. You see, God will visit you in a way that's relevant to who you are and to where he's taking you. But God will never speak to you in a place or a space where you cannot understand it's him. Understanding that God is speaking to you is so important for us knowing where we're going to go. Because you cannot know where you're going unless you first know where you came from. Moses found himself in a position. He had been the king, excuse me, the prince's son. Moses came from a place of royalty. He was in a place where he lived so high up in status, but now he finds himself in a wilderness with no position. And we talked about last week how God wants us to grow, not in position, but sometimes God wants to grow or shift our condition. So now Moses is in a position change. His condition is changing. And now he's thinking the way he was created to think. You see, Moses was created as royalty. So he grew up and all he knew was royalty. But something triggered him when he got to a certain point in his life. Moses said, well, something's not right. Um, this is not adding up. Um, you mean to tell me that Y'all really not my family? Okay. So who is my family? Oh, 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 you mean the people outside that we beating? Oh, okay. Okay. This is kind of, it's kind of weird because this kind of hits different for me. Um, I get that I'm royalty, but I have a sense of compassion for my people. God made you to have compassion for things relevant to your purpose. I said, God made you to have compassion for the things that are relevant to your purpose. And the reason why you feel the way you feel in certain areas is because God made you in such a way that you will be drawn to those things that make you feel. I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all tonight. There's a lot of things I don't really care about. I'm talking about things in ministry. A lot of things I really just really don't care about. My team knows, they, they just know, you know, Javier doesn't really care about this. You know, if you put him in this space, I ain't going to list it because then y'all going to start judging me. Uh, but there's some things I'm just like, you know, God, that's just not my ministry. But it wasn't until I accepted the fact that that's not how he made me that I was able to embrace who I was made to be. You see, God made me as a leader. He made me as someone who's sharp and poignant that can decipher and break down things and make hard decisions as a task manager. But not everyone was created the way they were made. Moses was created and made to feel and have compassion for people he never met. You see, Moses was born as royalty, but he never knew a life of slavery. 
But it's so interesting how God can sometimes call you to do something that you can't even recognize. Like, God, what you mean I'm supposed to preach the gospel? I'm, I'm a hood rat. I'm straight from the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? What you mean? I'm straight out of Compton. You can find me on the block, bro. I stay on the corner. What you mean you want me to preach the gospel? The gospel? What? The gospel? I don't even know what the gospel is. This is how you know God does whatever he want to do. He can take someone that doesn't even know him and use them to change the world. Who has God made you to be that you don't recognize that you are? See, God made Moses to be a leader of a people he didn't even know existed. What you mean I'm supposed to be a leader of the nation of Jesus Christ? What do you mean I'm supposed to be this man of God that people look to? What do you mean I'm supposed to start a Bible study and it's going to turn into a full-on ministry? What do you mean, Jesus? In this moment, I heard the Lord say, I mean what I meant. And I made you for what I need. God is making you for something. But until you accept that it may not be who you are or where you are, you cannot be shifted in position or condition. God is making you to be something special. But it's directly related on your acceptance. Moses found himself in this position. It says now that he came to a place where there was a bush. It was a burning, fiery bush. The Bible says that the Lord appeared to him. It did not say he recognized it was God. It says the Lord appeared to him in the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning. Mm. Yet it was not consumed. You see, this is how God operates. God likes to contradict things that make sense. The Bible says that he lives to confound the wise. He likes to do things opposite because when things add up, man feels like we have the ability to understand and perceive, but God says you cannot understand who I am, nor can you understand what I do because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts, but what I am doing in you will become a process and a product of my thoughts and my ways. God has an agenda for you. He has a plan for you in so much that he's willing to send you into places that make you feel uncomfortable. Just so that he can take you to a place of comfortability in him. To be comfortable in God does not mean you have your way. But to be comfortable in God means that you have unwavering trust. Do you trust in Jesus or do you have faith in yourself? He appeared to him in a way that was not understandable. It says he looked and behold, the bush was burning. Yet it was not consumed, meaning this was no ordinary type of fire. God ain't no ordinary type of God. He's not going to come to you the way normal fires do. He might not speak to you the way that someone else does, but God will speak. He might hit you while you're on the ground. I was on the gram yesterday and God spoke to me on Instagram through a word and an image. I have a witness in the house, right? Isn't that what happened yesterday? That's what happened, right? I'm sitting here like, yo, God, what do you mean? The Lord told me this is it. Now move. 
started to catapult something so important that y'all know really soon. And I stood here in this moment, I said, you know, God really speaks to us differently. This is a question I want to pose. Somebody write this down. How does God speak to you? Because if you can't recognize how God speaks, you will not be able to recognize if it's him. Samuel. Oh, you call me Chaz? You, you, I heard you. No, 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 I ain't call you. Samuel. Hey, yo, Eric, did you, did you call me? Did you call me? No? No? Okay. My bad. Samuel! I know it wasn't you because you got a girl's voice. You, you sound like a girl, you girl too. So, wait, wait, who, who keeps calling me? And so his master said, Samuel, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Why? Because when you can recognize that it's God, you will know what to do. The problem is, a lot of us don't know when something's God. We don't know when it's Jesus. It's just a really cool tree that's on fire. Oh, this is dope. I should get my phone out. We should Instagram this. <laughs> we should put this on Instagram. But, but God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't Instagram me, but Insta-listen. I, I need you to stop what you're doing and, and just listen. Open your eyes. Can you see me? I'm not a genie. Open your eyes. Can you feel me? I'm not an emotion, but I'm here if you listen. I might come to you in a still, small voice, but I'm here if you listen. I might come to you in a way that doesn't look like me, but if you're still, will you see me? Moses had a moment in time that we struggle with every single day, which is knowing if something is God. And he came to this moment, he said, he came up now in verse three, says, and Moses said, I will turn aside and see what great sight this is. Why the bush is on fire, but the bush is not burning. Verse four says, now when the Lord saw that he turned aside and called him out of the bush, Moses Moses, he said, here I am. I want everybody to write this down. Here I am. Write it down. Greatest note, greatest point of the night. Write it down. Here I am. This week, God is going to begin to speak to you as he always does. This is both prophetic and it's biblical. He's going to speak to you this week. And when God speaks to you, I want you to say, here I am. Here I am. I think I heard, Lord, you know what? Here I am. When God speaks to you this week, just say, here I am. What God will begin to do then is begin to speak to you in the same way he came to you. You see, God didn't use the bush as a distraction to catch attention, but he used it as a platform to speak to Moses. You, you, see, you see, the bush wasn't a distraction. Because when Moses got there, it didn't just catch his attention and then he went on about his business. But he stood there in reverence of the distraction. Godly distractions will always capture your attention and keep you in the moment. The question is, will you stay there long enough to understand why? Why am I here at this job at this particular time? Why did I make it to work and somehow my shift got canceled? 
Why am I getting this phone call? You telling me that this is not going to work out when you could have just left the other day? Why am I in this position? God is trying to speak to y'all. Stay with me. This is so, so important. Moses did one thing. He turned. Moses turned. Moses turned. Why is turning so important? Why did he turn aside and it carries so much weight? Because to turn aside means to acknowledge. Turning aside means to acknowledge. But Moses did two things. He had to acknowledge that something was happening and he had to acknowledge that it was God. What we are going to have to do is we are going to have to make up in our minds that we are going to turn when a holy distraction finds us and acknowledge what it is. The problem is when we talked about this in week one is that there are things that are true and then there are things that are valid. How do you know that something is God? Write this point down. To move forward in purpose is to acknowledge and respond. To move forward in purpose is to acknowledge and respond. To acknowledge where you are and respond to who is speaking. If you acknowledge incorrectly, you'll respond to the wrong thing. To know that something is God is to respond and acknowledge to only what God says to you. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. It's almost as if our response dictates our action. Like if, 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 if Moses didn't respond to God speaking to him, he would have not had an action that would have allowed him to step out into what God was calling him to do. Your response dictates your action. I'm not going to pray today. I don't really feel like praying today. So you won't pray, my boy. Oh, I really want to read this word today. So you won't read, sis. Oh, you know what? I really don't feel like doing this. There's so much power in what we say. In this moment, I felt the power of here I am. From now on, when you feel the Lord speaking to you, say, Lord, here I am. Father, here I am. Your servant is listening. Then he said, do not come near. Why do not come near? Because the place that you're standing on is holy ground. Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place that you're standing on is holy ground. Why did Moses have to take off his Air Force once? I know the floor was dirty. I know it was. It's dirt. Okay. Why did he take off of his Jordan 13s? Because at the time, that's, that's kind of what they were, you know. He had some good sandals because, you know, he on a journey. So you got to have them sandals that last. Jordan's just last. Let's just call it what it is. They know how to just, they last. Why did he have to take off his forces? Moses was royalty. He was Egyptian royalty. Mm. He was even Israel or Hebrew royalty. But when royalty meets royalty, the lesser royalty has to bow down to the greater royalty. His sandals represented attire. Oh, this is so good. Y'all need to write this down. His sandals represented attire. 
And the attire is what you wear. Attire is what you wear. In other words, Moses had to change his outfit. He had to change his outfit. Why? Why? What are the things that you have to change so that you can approach God? If Moses had to change his outfit, then what are the things that outfit who you are? What is it that you have to change in your life that you don't fit into anymore? That you can't step into God's work with anymore? You outgrew them friends. Yes, you did. The people you used to party with, the people you used to club with, they don't work for you. What is it that you outgrew that don't fit God's assignment for your life that require for you to drop it like it's hot and focus on the purpose and the agenda in front of you? Moses understood that there was something he had to drop. And some of y'all are wearing this type of attitude when you come into the house of God. It's the type of attitude that says, yo, God, you didn't really show up for me last time. So I ain't really got time for you this time. It's that type of attitude that says, you know what? I really don't got time for this, Lord. I got a really busy schedule. Uh, I need to just get my life real quick. Uh, but I know you're there. I'll be back. Promise. It's that type of thing that says, God, I really don't care. What is it that you are wearing that affects your attitude that you cannot take off? Moses had to take off his sandals. He had to take off his attire so that he could step into something else. Where God is taking you requires for you to take certain things off so that you can take certain things on. See, God's going to take some things off of you just so that he can put some things on you. God wants to put the righteousness of Christ Jesus on you. He wants to put on the belt of truth on you. God wants to put on everything that is of his spirit. But the question is, do you want to hear it? And I made that rhyme on purpose. That was, that was, that was the moment. That was the moment. I, I think that it's so important for us to understand that God is doing something great in our lives. But until we get to a point where we can say, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. Have your way. You're going to miss the mark. And when you miss the mark, you go on a different path. And when you're on a different path, it leaves a different trail. And when it leaves a different trail, it's always going to trace you back to the wrong thing. What is God doing in your life that requires for you to change your outfit so that you could come into his purpose. Y'all stay with me. This is, so, this is so important. This is so important. So Moses got to a place where he turned aside and God called him out of the bush because he turned. God called him because he turned. God called him. Remember, it starts with acknowledgement. So God can then call you into something. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then Moses said, do not come near. Take off your Air Force Ones for the place that you are standing at right now is holy. For the place where which you are standing is holy. For the place you are standing is holy. Y'all need to catch this. God spoke to him in a place that wasn't holy by himself, but it was holy because God chose to speak to him there. Where are you? When God speaks to you, 
I'm telling you right now, wherever you are is holy. It ain't just the church, bro. If, you, if, if you're in here right now and God is speaking to you, it's holy right here. It's holy. If you're in school and God speaks to you during a test, it's holy. Now, you, you probably take off the Jordans because, you know, you got to, got to get, the, get the Jordans off. You know what I'm saying? You got to take them off. Because this right here, taking it off, is a symbolic reference that, God, nothing is going to prevent me from stepping into your purpose and hearing what you have to say. What is that thing that needs to remove so that you can move? He says, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Why was it important to say this thing? It was so important to say this specifically because the, it, just like the, Israels, the Israelites didn't know the generation before them, they did not know the, uh, the ruler, the Egyptian ruler before him. A lot of these people didn't know the God that came before them. They didn't know the God that is here now. They're trying to understand who is this God y'all telling about. So what God does in this moment, he says, listen, I'm the same God today that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob served. You may not recognize me, but you remember who they are, right? So if you remember who they are, remember I was their God. Today, what the Lord is telling us in this moment is that God is the same God for you today that he was for the Egyptian, the Israelites back then, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you remember what he did for them, remember the same God then can do the same thing for you today. What is it that you're going through in life? Where you're like, man, I don't know if God can do it, that you just need a reminder. You just need a reminder of who God is. This is the same God that delivered you the moment you thought you wasn't going to make it. You thought you was going to die. You didn't think you was going to pay that bill. You didn't think your family was going to hold it. It's the same God then is the same God now. Running out of time. Jump down with me to verse 10. Now, verse 10 is speaking. It says, now come, I will send you to Pharaoh. God is now talking to Moses. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's talking to him in this moment. Verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And if we're being honest, a lot of us will find ourselves in this position where God gives us a vision that's so great. It's a task that's so large. It's something that's so big. But our struggle isn't accepting the word. Our struggle is accepting who God says we are. Who has God said you are that is more difficult for you to accept than it is the word that he gave you? God says that you are mighty, Gideon. You are a man of valor. God says that you are great, that he built you for a time such as this. Well, I mean, God, I hear you, but... Uh, what you mean? Like, who am I? I'm just another black man on these streets of LA. Like, what you mean you want me to do something? How, how, you, how could you tell me this? Moses found himself in a place of insecurity, but Moses said to God, who am I that I will go to Pharaoh and do a task like this and bring down the children of Israel out of Egypt, which is so interesting because he was questioning the very place that he came from. 
A lot of us will question places that we come from. God said, listen, 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 I've sent you in to infiltrate so that I could take you out so you can realize who you are so that I could send you back in so you can know what you were meant to do. Moses could not understand the people of Israel unless he had come down from his throne into the place where God was calling him to lead so that he could understand what he was called to lead. To some of us, God might take us off of our little seat, our high seat. Y'all got that nice car, he might take you down. That nice crib, he might bring you down a little bit. Or you thought you was in this position, but God's gonna humble you. And the reason he's humbling you is not to make you feel low, but so that you can understand why he made you. Sometimes God will take you out of a place and bring you to a place that doesn't seem better just so that he could show you your purpose. What does this mean? This means that sometimes the blessings that we have can cloud our purpose. What is it today that's clouding your purpose because it's shiny? Like, 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 like God has called you to change your family, but your family got all this money. So you're like, yo, God, what is there to change, bro? What are we changing? Like, what do you want me to do? What do you mean I'm supposed to go into this hospital and be like that, that Christian brother? Like, okay, God, my, I get a nice little check here. This is my, you know, it's my job. Like, what do you mean you want me to do? Wait, 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 what? You want me to go out and start a revolution? Who am I? And God says, yes, who are you? He said in verse 12, but I will be with you. And this is the message I want you guys to take home today. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter your situation, no matter your position or condition, God says, I will be with you. Where are you going that requires attention acknowledgement and acceptance. It says here in verse 12, I will be with you and this shall be your sign. Yo, this is so important, guys. As I'm closing, you guys have to listen to this part. He says, and this shall be your sign. I've come to know in this series, this evidence series, that evidence is always filled with signs. And if you cannot recognize or decipher the signs, you will miss the mark and it will lead you down a place of distraction. You see, every paper trail is connected to an action. What was the action that led you to where you are today? Because if it led you to a place where God is speaking to you now, he will be with you and there will be signs to support it. There will be evidence to support it. He says, but I will be with you and this shall be your sign that I have been sent to you. God has been sent to you. Everybody say that God has been sent to me. God has been sent to me. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall go, you shall go and serve on this mountain. So what God is telling Moses here in this moment is that I'm sending you to a place and the result of you saying yes will be the evidence why you said yes. Moses will not even understand until he sees the sign. And the fact of the matter is this. There are some things that you will never understand until you see why you were there. 
But when you see why you were there, it will always be an indicator of where you came from. I am who I am. Then Moses said to him, if I go, if I come, and the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people. This is crazy because I feel like this is a cross compatible statement that he's telling Moses. And I feel that when God sends us, we're allowed to say this. Anytime God sends you, you are allowed to say this. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. This is so powerful because I'm learning something here that I am and in life application puts it like this. I want to read it down. It says, now God called himself. I am an appellation describing his eternal power and unchangeable character in a world where values, morals, laws change consistently. We are stable and find stability and security in an unchanging God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is the God of me and everybody in here. And he is the God for you and your family. He is unchanging. And he has so much for us to understand. I am his sent you. When God sends you, you can say, I am sent me. I'm going to tell you why. We're going to close here, but y'all can catch this. Verse 15. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people. Say this to the people. The Lord God of the God of your fathers and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Say it for the people. Who are the people? The people is your family. The people is your co-workers. The people are the people you went to school with. Say it for the people. I am has sent me. Why? Because where God sends you in to change, he will always give you what you need to change it. I am his sent me. Y'all pay attention to this. I'm closing right now, but this is big. It says, now you can only say this when God has truly sent you. Don't be around like, yo, I am sent me to your crib tonight. Uh, I am sent me to come get me in love. You know what I'm saying? I am sent me. Uh, hey, you know what? You got a question? Ask I am, because you know, it is what it is, right? You know what I'm saying? I am sent you, boy. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it, because you know, start to mock God, right? And then what happened? God comes in, he go cut you down. Don't do that. But watch this. You can only say this when I am sent you. This is a point, write this down in question format. The question is, how do you know when you are sent by God? Write this down. How do you know when you are sent by God? Two things. Number one, you will be the answer to a problem. Oh, this is so good. And number two, you will possess confirmation ammunition. You know that you're sent by God when you are the answer to a problem. And you possess confirmation ammunition. To be an answer to a solution is, yo, I need help. And here come my sister with the answer. A, 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 a type of confirmation that's ammunition is when you have word to back up while you were sent. Watch this, watch this. What do you mean, Javier? God will never send you without confirmation and ammunition. What he's telling you is this type of confirmation. And what he's sending you is a type of ammunition. Look at what happened here, confirmation, right? 
Moses said to God, if I come to the people and say to them, God, you are the father sent me, the father sent me, the father sent me, what will I tell them? What is his name? Who do I say? God said, confirmation, I am, I am. What do you mean confirmation always comes after something was said, Javert? Yes, it does. Where was the first time it was spoken? At the bush. Where did God speak to you at that now he's sending you confirmation for? God will not allow his purpose to go unfulfilled. Why? Because the word of God says that his word goes out and it does not return unto him null and void. Meaning it cannot con return without accomplishing what it was sent out to accomplish. I am his sent you. What do you mean I am his sent you? I mean what I said that I mean. Because when my word comes out, it has to fulfill what it was sent to do. I'm closing right here. God will never send you without confirmation and ammunition. The ammunition was his word. The confirmation was, I will go with you if you go. Which means the goal was the original point. What he's telling you to do is confirmation. Now, I realized something in this text. I'm going to close here. I realized that while Moses himself found himself in a position where he did not know how to handle what God was telling him, he still went. But God helped him to go. Got a little frustrated with his attitude. We'll learn that a little bit next week. But, but God helped him to go. Sometimes you have to be willing to compromise with yourself in order to get to a place where you can say yes to God. Lord, I don't really know what's happening. I really don't get it. But I'm going to go because you said it. There's your compromise. I'm going to close on this thought. Last verse here, it says, now this is my name forever. That I am to be remembered throughout all generations. What was interesting was this. I thought that what God was doing in this ministry started six months ago. But actually what God was doing in this ministry started six years ago. 2015. I was in my uncle's room, sitting down at the table, the living room table, had no idea God was about to do a living thing in me. I told my cousin, yo, something don't feel right, bro. Something's, something's not hitting different, man. I need your help. He said to me, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't really know much about this guy, but look, just sit down. You can figure it out. He'll speak to you. And I remember in that moment, I looked up to God and said, God, I have no idea, but I'm going to trust you. So I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to hope that you speak to me. That's it. I'm going to hope that you speak to me. So I sat down at the table. I picked up a pen. And as I began to pick up the pen, it's like something told me to write these words. And I wrote out the word rehab. When I wrote out the word rehab, I started drawing pictures of people being rehabbed in different types of ways. And I wrote a picture or I drew a picture specifically of a man in a wheelchair, but it wasn't a man in a wheelchair. It was somebody who was being restored from something out of the, excuse me, out of that word, God began to give me clarity. And he told me there are some things that people are going to begin to detox through your work. And as you say yes to me, I will go with you. I will give you confirmation and I will give you ammunition. 
Six years later, I look back at it and realize that there had been a trail to point back to. I had learned that because I said yes, then there were different checkpoints in my life. I said, wait a second, this actually documents every action that I've ever taken. I want to challenge each and every single person here tonight. I want to ask you this question. What can you go back and check? What can you check that will show you where you came from and where you're going? Because if you'll go back, I promise you, it will always lead or leave a trail. I'm closing on this thought here. I'm closing on this thought. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. We talked about this verse a lot this week and a lot last week. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If y'all are not taking notes, this is where I want y'all to take notes because I'm closing here and I want y'all to catch this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to read this. I want to pair. I want to read this directly off so y'all can really catch what I'm saying. It says your faith and substance, they're the same thing. They're just two different forms. Faith is the substance. Stop. Faith is the substance. Faith is unseen, but substance is seeable. How are they the same thing? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if faith is the substance and the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, then the seeable substance is tangible hope that will call out the idea of evidence around you. This is so important because what we have to understand is that even though faith and substance are the same thing, they're not actually the same thing, but they all point to the same thing. And if you go back in your life, you will realize that there were some things you saw in faith and there were some things that you saw tangibly. What's the difference? And I'm done. This is the difference. Three things. I'm going to give it to you with clarity. Number one, faith is for when you start things. While substance, number two, is a paper trail along the way. Whereas evidence is the result of faith and hope. Family, there are some things that God is doing in your life. It is something that, how do I say this? It's difficult to understand. It may not make sense, but it always starts with faith. Moses had to step out on faith. You know what? This could be God in the bush, so I'm going to listen to him. You know what? It sounds like the Lord. I'm going to listen to him. You know, I'm feeling a little insecure, but I'm going to listen to him. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You cannot have faith without works. It also says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. Faith is so important. We learned this in Make Me Sure in our last series, that when you are 1% sure, you still need 99% faith. And if you're 99% sure, you still need 1% faith because you cannot do anything without faith. I want to challenge y'all this morning as we close to understand, to understand that God is doing something so powerful in your life. It starts with faith and it ends with evidence. I want to pray for you. If this message is speaking to you in such a way that you want to try Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God would give you what you need 
that he will go with you, that he will clarify the things that need to be made clear to you, that he will give you the evidence that you need so that it can grow your faith. Next week, we're going to dive so deep into God's word, but I pray that this one plants something so important, which is to understand that God has been moving all along. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this message. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen each and every single one of us. Give us clarity, insight, direction to understand that you are moving in our lives. I thank you, God, for speaking to me in this moment because, Lord, you're changing my life. So, Lord, let my life be a point of change for other lives. Let this word find your people. Let it inspire them and encourage them to know that you have been with them every step of their journey. Father, I pray this encourages them to grow in their purpose and their faith. Bless it now in Jesus' name. And I'm going to pray for any person who wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We so passionately about, we talk passionately about this Jesus. I think it's so important that we draw out this opportunity to pray for those who want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. My prayer for you is that you would be able to not only accept Christ, but accept the cost. There's always a cost when it comes on to everything. Nothing in life is free. They say, well, you come to Jesus and it's free. Salvation is free. It's a gift. But coming to Christ is a cost. It is a life of challenge, but it's a life that's so rewarding. It's a life of acceptance. It's a life of healing and deliverance. It's a life of change. I want to pray for you. And if that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat these words after me. Father, we thank you. I thank you. I realize that I am a sinner, that I fall short of your glory. I ask in this moment that you would help me to turn aside so that I can accept you in this moment. Lord, come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my will. I give you my mind. I give you my soul. Restore unto me now the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, comments, testimonies, or prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message to the Detox Movement on all social platforms. And be sure to get your official Detox brand merch at thedetoxbrand.com. And above all things, family, remember that you are loved, you are blessed, you are beautiful, and most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. And until next week, family, God bless you.